Special thanks to our Season 10 title sponsor, Bio520. In a world where industrial methods have taken a toll on plant health, Bio520 is a beacon of hope. Drawing from ancient agricultural wisdom and modern biophysics, this all-natural additive is a powerhouse of essential minerals sourced from Japan's rich mountain ranges. It's more than a nutrient, it's a lifeline to your plants. Bio520 is incredibly easy to use. Just add it to your existing irrigation system and watch the magic happen. The results? A chemical-free, shorter growth cycle, robust plants, and significantly reduced water usage. Bio520 doesn't just boost growth, it builds resilience. Plants become more resistant to pests and diseases, ensuring healthier yields. Whether you're a commercial grower or a hobbyist, Bio520 fits right into your setup, enhancing everything from germination to harvest. To learn more, visit bio520usa.com and join the movement towards a greener, more sustainable future in agriculture. With Bio520, you're not just growing plants, you're nurturing a legacy. I think for a person or, let's say, entrepreneur, he has to understand what he's going to do. You cannot have somebody who never did it before to explain the process to somebody who also never did it before. Yeah. So then it won't work. And for me as well, when I explain with the school, for me, I have to learn by doing. This is the only way. It's how my mind works. Somebody might be different. For somebody, books works perfectly. Okay, I don't judge on that. But for me, it's trial and error. Okay, let's do this. Okay, let's analyze the mistakes, what we can do better, and then do it again and do it again. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ag tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast, Season 10. Regular listeners, welcome back. I appreciate everything you're doing to support the show, to get the word out, to spread the word about all the amazing information we're sharing around the world of CEA and the stories from our inspiring guests. Thank you for coming back week in and week out and bringing new listeners to the show. And if you are one of those new listeners, I'm positive you're in the right place because this is the show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran, podcasting since 2014 with my first show, Podcast Junkies, and founder of our full-service podcast agency, Fullcast. In case you missed last week's episode, we kicked off season 10 and had a conversation with Felipe Hernandez of Hexagro. He talked about his inspiring journey from being an industrial designer in Colombia to a trailblazer in Milan's growing vertical farming industry. Make sure you check that out if you haven't done so already. This week, we speak to Victor Kulksar. He's one half of the team at Velez Farming. He's the co-founder and co-CEO. We connected at Vertifarm in Germany last year, and the team shared with me a very inspiring story of how they're growing saffron indoors, which immediately piqued my interest because it's one of the crops we haven't covered on this show. And in this conversation, Victor and I talk about about his childhood in post-Soviet Slovakia and how he was able to overcome early struggles as a young entrepreneur in a region with little support for startups and find some mentors that helped him build and grow the company. There's a lot to learn in this episode with saffron being a luxury spice. There's a lot of questions about authenticity and quality and Victor shared some of the insights into how consumers can figure this out and some of the misconceptions that people have around this crop. It was a very insightful and eye-opening conversation. I think you'll get a lot out of it and learning new methods of cultivation different than what we've shared on previous episodes. If you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd love to read yours out next on a future episodes. And if you're in the industry and know of a CEO or a founder who would be a good fit for this show and who hasn't been on, then please send him my way, harry at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. 
You can also visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com to do a search for past guests. And there is also where you'll find show notes that we write for each episode. So you can focus your attention on this interview and any resources mentioned will be found there, verticalfarmingpodcast.com. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Victor, here are a few words from the amazing partners that support this show. Whether you're starting up or scaling up, Indoor AgCon is the key to cultivating your business growth. Entering its 11th year, the largest trade show and conference for vertical farming, greenhouse operations, and controlled environment agriculture returns to Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas on March 11th and 12th, 2024, and co-locates with the National Grocers Association show. The expo floor has expanded significantly to bring together even more new product resources and business solutions to explore. You'll also hear from top experts, including CEOs, growers, investors, and other experts during the full-scale educational conference. And don't miss out on valuable networking events connecting you with your peers, grocers, and other potential new business partners. As always, I'm grateful for this partnership with Indoor Icon. Vertical Farming Podcast listeners can save an additional 20% off already discounted early bird full-access conference pass rates with our promo code VFP. Learn more at indoor.ag. This episode is brought to you by our latest and newest podcast, AgTech Weekly Review, your go-to source for the freshest stories shaping the CEA landscape. Hosted by Natasha Coles. Each week, we dive into the fast-moving world of ag tech where innovation meets sustainability and where every story brings us closer to a greener future. Follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast player or visit agtechweeklyreview.com. So Victor Kulchar, founder at Veles Farming, thank you so much for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Thank you for having me. So for the benefit of the listener, where is home for you? My home is Slovakia, the heart of Europe, as we call it, or the cheap man switzerland that is where my home is from and did you grow up there yes grew up there but studied abroad studied in the netherlands and now i'm living back here we have the company over here and for anyone that may not be familiar with what it's like to grow up there what are some of your earliest memories growing up there in your childhood what was that like imagine like the most typical eastern european kid life just going to the playground with a lot of kids with a very rundown playground and like the big skyscrapers, we call them panelaki. It's like the Soviet buildings. Yeah. So that just imagine that. And what were your thoughts when you were getting through school and then maybe thinking about beyond school, the university, or some of the things that were interesting to you? Well, as a kid, maybe even now, I wasn't very interested in school. School was not for me. That's why I'm very happy that I found the studies that I attended as well, which were like applied sciences. So all the tasks were applied. So we had like, for example, let's say we had a marketing class or so company with marketing issue came in and based on how we solve the issue, that's how you graduate it. Because I don't work, my mind doesn't work on books. I cannot stand behind the book. I like reading now, but for example, if I had to study for a test or something, no, no go, big no go. So I didn't really know what to do. And I kind of juggled around with a lot of stuff. And then I found business as a way to express myself. And we stick with it so far. What was it about business that was attractive to you? I think I'm very competitive and mm. I have hemophilia. That's like bad. My blood doesn't clot well, so I cannot do sports. So I need to okay. get off my competitiveness in some way. And I found business a way to where I can do this. What were some of the early experiences you had with business? I think since because we started as student entrepreneurs, I think finding like, for example, an investor or having people to bring it to a level where people take you seriously in a way, because mm -hmm. you are fighting with people who work in business 24 seven. 
So if, if you have to go to school for five hours a day, you are already behind. Like there is somebody <laughs> who puts in those five hours a day in the business. So yeah. it's very hard in the beginning to get it running. But I think when you get the first like results in, the first traction in, then it slow, snowballs into a bigger thing. Do you remember any relationships you had with maybe teachers, maybe mentors, maybe people who you admired that were successful in business that were inspiring for you and, and gave you that push to move forward? I will have to give a shout out here to Chris. Chris was one of the first guys who took us under his wing. He was the one who also gave us the lab in school that we could use to build our first vertical farm prototype, which was a metal box, which was one meter wide, one meter tall. That's it with two layers, nothing else, two lights, nothing worked, just water pump that worked manually. But he gave us space and freedom to do whatever we wanted. And this is where we started. And then I really liked, uh, we went through an incubator, Founders okay. Institute. And we had a lot of good mentors. I like it from there because they give you the real view. It's not like because sometimes when you go through people and you tell them, like, I have this business. Oh, this is nice. This is beautiful. Great job, guys. But these guys really give you the ins and outs. You know, they've been in the trenches for some time. And some of them exited a lot of companies. Some of them were from the industry. So they already know something that you don't know. And they will give you the raw truth. And I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, this is something that you miss very much. So I very value what we gained out of all the mentors, I would say, in Founders Institute. That they give you the raw truth. They are not there tell you okay this is nice this is nice this yeah. will, no they will tell you like no <laughs> bye bye see you next week they give you the hard medicine yes yes <laughs> that's what you need sometime i think yeah absolutely so what is the entrepreneurial culture like in slovakia so it's not this is why i would like to be born somewhere else because still 89 <laughs> entrepreneurship was not allowed under the soviet union so you couldn't oh, own your no. business we don't have the network effect like here for example in slovakia you don't have that many I'll call them angel investors. There are like not that many people who already exited companies are looking to help young entrepreneurs to grow up or willing to invest money. We don't have that over here. We have some Western funds, then we have one or two hour funds, but that's it. So I think this is like the network effect of entrepreneurship is still lacking. And I think we still have a kind of stigma over here that the way to do it is to go to school, then you find a job in a corporate and then you retired. So, and it's a lot of people are very against entrepreneurship because they are afraid. And I think this is like the most, like the strongest belief that we have over here, which we try to break also. What's well, good because it seems like the way you described it, the normal path for you, the nine to five job for you, it seems like you knew early on that was not going to be <laughs> who yes. your fit and that yes. was not going to be your plan. Yes. Yes, because I did a lot of also jobs like in startups. I also work in corporates. I'm not going to name, so I don't bash anybody in case. So I'll have a clean sleeve. But I just didn't like the job like in case or in some corporates, it was like the politics over there. You know, like you come up with an idea to do something two times better or two times faster, but just because you have somebody above you that doesn't like it or it has to come like they have to message it was their idea you get stuck yeah. over there on there or then you start this is why i moved also into startup because i was working for one startup where i'm not gonna say the founders were not like the most clever people on planet Earth, but since i've seen them where the company got i was like if they can do it anybody can do it and this is why we tried as well when did you start to have an interest or were you seeing what was happening in the controlled environment agriculture space I think in the Netherlands, I'm very happy that I studied here there as well. I think I would call it the Mecca in Europe for vertical farming yeah. and in, indoor farming. So we went around and in our school also, they like offered, there is, we are studied in Amsterdam, but there is a part of Unity, university there is in Delft. 
and they have vertical farm over there. So, so from there, it was like awesome. And then we saw just YouTube videos. Me and my founder, we just watched a YouTube video on vertical farming. We were like, this is fucking cool. So let's do this. And then we went with it. So talk a little bit about the relationship with your co-founder. You mentioned him. I met him as well at Vertifarm, which is where we connected. Yeah, yeah. you met him. Yeah, the tall one. Yeah, yeah. The tall one. It's very funny because we used to hate each other in the beginning. And and then then we kind of grew Miroslav. Okay. And then we kind of grew together. And what I really like is like we both are like nerd heads into business. So everywhere we go, the only thing we do is we talk business. Even if you go to a conference, then we go to an after party at 2 a.m., we go home on the bus, we talk business, nothing else. This is what I like really, that we always just think about the business and how we can grow it and what different ways we can try to, to do this, this. If we do this, what will come out of this? I talk with this guy today. He told me this nice idea, so maybe we can implement it, you know, stuff like this. And so as you were starting to work together, it seems like you had complementary skills and maybe he had some skills that you didn't, you had some skills he didn't, and it feels like there's a good combination that you both decided, because it's always a challenge when you decide to take on a co-founder or work together on a business with someone. You could be friends with someone, but then business with someone that's a friend is not always the best result. So what did you see or what was it about the combination of you two together that you felt was working? I think it's because we are like complete polar opposites in personalities and also how we work. So, you know, there is always like, okay, I would imagine it this way. I would imagine it this way. Okay, now we have two things. Let's find a way. Maybe the middle way will be always nicer. So I think this is what works very, very well for us, that that we are completely opposite on also how we work. So then a lot of interesting stuff sometimes come. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it works wonders. No. So I think this mix of things really plays into our hands. Can you talk a little bit and tell the story about the idea for Velis? Like, do you remember where you were when you came up with it? So I think we were still in school. Actually, in, okay. before we were named Green Investment Groups. Okay. But then we were a lot with Miro into crypto projects. And all the cool crypto projects were named after Greek gods. So um, we went through like Greek gods, Roman gods, but all the good gods were already taken. So then we were like, oh, wait, we are from Slovakia, Slavic. Let's look up some Slavic gods. And that's how we found Veles is like an agriculture Slavic god. So we were like, ah, perfect. Fits the company. Let's do it. Yeah, that's a great name. So what was the idea when you first started Veles? And how is it different than what you're currently offering now? Oh, it's completely. <laughs> we started with microgreens. Okay. This is what we wanted to do, like microgreens. Like, let's do a lot of microgreens and then we'll figure out what we can do out of them. Then we moved into like leafy greens, herbs stuff like this and then because in we moved back to slovakia during COVID, and then the whole business model went out of the window because all the restaurants were closed down and we were selling directly to restaurants and also in amsterdam or netherlands it works quite differently because the trends in the customers or the businesses are also somewhere further with the sustainability part fresh ingredients you know here in slovakia price is the main factor always and if you even present somebody a fresher option uh, usually in 99 percent the price is is the deciding factor so we were uh, everything was closed so we didn't know what to do so we were like looking for crops to grow that have other added value than just being sold to and we were going through wasabi ginseng but these crops are very like challenging because they have to the roots have to grow for a certain amount of like years in order to before you can sell them so like can we run a business that cannot create any profit for five years no okay let's throw this out of the window then we tried like vanilla but that's very hard uh, work-wise and then we came across saffron and also dr ardalan and then we tried a little test and it worked and we found a way to make it better and this is where we are now 
So talk about the relationship. What's his full name, Dr. Arjan? Dr. Arjan. I don't know. I'm afraid to pronounce his full name because it's, <laughs> I will mess it up. But we call him Dr. G, Dr. Dr. Arjan. Yeah. And we found him through YouTube, actually. We were studying saffron production. He had some videos on saffron production on YouTube. And then we reached out to him via LinkedIn and he was like, ah, you guys do vertical farming. I do indoor farming as well for saffron. You want to try saffron? We're like, yes, perfect. That's why we reached out. And he gave us a little book where there were like the basics on how to set it up, what temperatures you need, the humidity, the CO2, the light, everything, how the cycle looks like, what do you need to prepare, what do you need to buy, what to look out for and stuff like this. So, and then we... I ran a little test and we were, I have to say, pretty successful in it. So that's why we decided to stick with it. And then we found a way to introduce like multiple harvests into the system as well. So to make it even more profitable, because we are very excited about saffron because saffron is like the most expensive crop on, or not crop, spice, I'll say. And for us, vertical farming, especially in the beginning, it's quite like cash consuming that you need to invest a lot in front. And it takes also kind of a lot of energy like electricity wise. So we needed something to basically be able to pay over the investment to the development that we had. So this is why Safran also fit the case for us. And this is why we stick with it so far. I mean, it sounds like that meeting with Dr. G was very important. When you, when you started listing all the things that little magical book yes. provided you, it's, it's almost like the secret recipe for success in, in yeah, saffron yes, production. Yes. And because there's so many variables, obviously, you know, with all the hundreds of interviews we've had on the show and everyone, you know, growing a wide variety of crops, there's obviously specific needs and considerations when it comes to saffron, it, I would imagine it's somewhat of a delicate crop as well. And just to have a head start to understand someone who's been there before and also willing to share with you, that's really says a lot about his character exactly. that he wasn't feeling like, oh, this is super secret or super private. And there must have been something that he saw in you both that made him want to work with you. I fully agree. I don't know. I think this guy never sleeps. Like if I message him 2 a.m., 10 a.m., p.m., whatever, he always responds like in, in five minutes and he's always ready. Like, okay, I'll explain on the call. Let's go. Because I don't have an agriculture background. So how we learned, especially at the university, we were lucky. The Chris, what I told you in the beginning, yeah. we, the lab was in uh, agriculture university and it was like an innovation center. Yeah. So there were also teachers who studied vertical farming or indoor farming or horticulture or all stuff around. So in the beginning, we just went to all the teachers. We bugged them every day, all day. I was like, I need answers on this. How much light do I need? I don't understand this. Yeah. How do I mix the nutrients correctly? How do I then analyze the water that comes out? How do I do this? How do I do that? How to adjust the airflow? And they were like, okay, guys, just leave me alone. For <laughs> but we're like, no, 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 I need this information. And so this is how we started because I really didn't know how to grow anything. And we just asking questions to people who work with it. And this is why I like Dr. Ardahan as well, that he always gives the answer and uh, he's always willing to share information as well. I'm very happy for it. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the training for you and a lot of the learning is really like learning by doing and just learning by asking questions. Yes. And, and, <laughs> yes. and that's, yes. it seems like how you've gotten a lot of, made a lot of progress because a lot of people just wait or they feel like they have to find someone that can do it for them. But there's nothing like learning firsthand yourself what you need to do because that's when you really have the hands-on experience. Exactly. I think for a person or let's say entrepreneur, he has to understand what he's going to do. Like you cannot have 
somebody who never did it before to explain the process to somebody who also never did it before yeah. you know, so then it won't work and for me as well like when i explain with the school like for me i have to learn by doing this is the only way it's how my mind works somebody might be different you know somebody yeah. for somebody books works perfectly okay I, I don't judge on that but for me it's like trial and error okay let's do this okay let's analyze the mistakes what we can do better and then do it again and do it again this is why i was happy with the microgreens in the beginning because microgreens has like a weekly cycle so you can go to go through a lot of cycles in a very fast time but with saffron for example now we basically run two harvests per year but we are extending to four but still it's only two harvests per year so the amount of harvests are minimized compared to what you can do in microgreens leafy greens and all the other stuff so when I was chatting with you both at Vertifarm, it was interesting because you were educating me a little bit about saffron and what people think about saffron. And I explained to you that when I was at, in Dubai last year, I got to go to the souks and the markets and you see the saffron piled super high and you just wonder, wow, is the real saffron? Is that the fake saffron? And, but you, maybe because in Dubai, they also have next to the saffron like a gold breastplate is probably worth a quarter of a million dollars or something like that. So it must be like high end market or something, but you get good prices there. So how much of this has been for you in terms of an education about the spice itself, the saffron, and then educating people about, you mentioned also this idea of fake saffron that not many people know about. So a lot of this has been a learning process for you as well, I imagine. Exactly. Like to understand how the market works also, it's very important because, for example, for us, the market works completely different than, for example, as in Dubai, in Europe, let's say. Because here in the EU, most of the saffron is imported, like also to Dubai, but it's closer to India or Iran, where it's mainly grown. Because the further it gets, it's always, it always gets from the farmer to like a trader, which he sells. So there is always upcharge, 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 till it gets to the final customer. Also then with the fake saffron, like there are a lot of frauds because it's the most expensive spice. So there's a lot of frauds going on with the saffron. So for example, don't buy powdered saffron because then you cannot tell the purity or powdered saffron that is mixed together with other spices because then you really don't know what you are buying. Or if you're buying saffron, then make sure you're buying the treads. Make sure they are purely red. Make sure they are like a certain size. Make sure they have the light color, the light aroma, smell, you know. So this is, I know in some cases you cannot check before when you buy from the internet but it's also nice to know when so for example this is also one of our advantages because in europe you can mostly buy saffron from traders from outside europe but we are a farm so you're buying straight from farm and i can directly show you like okay your saffron comes from this tray and it's been here for this day and in some cases we can even pinpoint the flowers like this is the saffron this flower i can show you right away so this way we can make it real so it's also like important to as you said like educate the people on what are the differences because you don't want to pay a high price for something that's low quality if you cannot tell the low quality so this is what we're also trying to do and understanding how the whole market works as well then for example this year there's been a 70 percent to 50 percent reduction in the overall supply because this year has been too warm there's been too many rains in iran like 90 percent of the production or 85 percent production comes from iran and this year was the worst over there in the last 10 years so there's really low amount of saffron so for example what now the traders do as well they withhold the saffron supply to to europe because the prices are skyrocketing in a, like it moved 100 percent in a week so they are not willing to sell the saffron because they think the price will go still higher so they are withholding so this plays to the price as well so you have to understand like how the whole market operates in a way 
to price it correctly and also to show, for example, something we are trying to do is to present it or not present it. We grow a high quality product. So this is something that we are trying to reflect as well. Like for you to know that the product that you get from us, it's high quality. And there is also like, we are happy to show you the process, how it was grown, why it's high quality. What is the difference between the indoor grown saffron to the outgrown grown saffron? Where are the benefits to it and stuff like this? So this is what we try to reflect with the brand as well. Yeah. And so how much of that is an education process? Because you mentioned typically high-end restaurants, they deal with a trader, right? Or they deal with someone, who, or an importer, right? For someone who they have a trusted relationship with. So I imagine for you, some of the challenge in the beginning is building those relationships in the beginning. Because if you're new to market and people have never heard of Ella's, like they wonder who you are, are you going to be here still tomorrow? Can I depend on you providing a consistent crop? And so I imagine that's been some of the conversations you've been having with your partners early on. Yes. Well, what we try to do, it's especially like, so we work in three industries, so gastronomy, so food, cosmetics and pharma. So the, what they are looking for also, it's completely different. So for example, we started with the gastronomy or the food part because that's like a low hanging fruit. It's not that difficult as in pharma because in pharma you need to be certified on production, processing, the product has to be certified as well. So you have to get, and this cannot be done in one week. It takes, it first of all costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. And so for example, it's easier to get into food. And then for example, in the food, you have to also explain to the chef, like here in Slovakia, also the chefs are completely different than in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, they had an idea because for example, Netherlands is more connected with Morocco and some saffron is grown in Morocco. So they have an idea on what's, on what's good. But for example, we came into one restaurant and the chef, we were speaking to the chef on accident to a friend and he was like, I have the best saffron and it came in like a paper packaging. So this is already a red flag because it's not been packaged properly. And then he, he was like, I bought the best saffron. It's called like the pushal or super negin. That's only the red part. But then he unravels it and it's also with the yellow part and the white part. The white part is bad because that's the plant part. It's only basically water. So, you know, so this is something that you have to tell, tell him like, okay, like you bought this now for this price, but and then also when it comes to explaining them. So for example, our saffron is more aromatic and it's able to color more. So even though like it in the beginning, it costs a bit more, I would say you can cook, let's say twice or three times the amount of dishes from it because it has like, it's more potent, it's more aromatic, it's better coloring. So, you know, so this is something that you need to also explain to some of them. But what I noticed also like around the world, like it works completely different because they're all educated on different levels. So you have to kind of pinpoint on where they stand and then move from that. So is it, we move it from the basics up or do they already have some kind of knowledge? Because for example, in a few restaurants that we work with already, like from farmers with Iran directly, but still the saffron somehow doesn't come in a very good quality, you know? So this is, you have to understand there are also the pimples, like what they struggle with. And for example, because a few problems that you also said, like the consistency in quality. So I'm getting saffron from a farmer from Iran, but it, every time I buy the color and the aroma is different. So then my recipe is different in the end. And this, then I cannot build what I would like to build. So this is something that we can also deliver for them. Yeah, it sounds like it's a lot of education. And obviously as much as they would like to trust that they have a reliable source if they're coming or sourcing anything directly from Iran, for example, 
you know, you're at the mercy of the shipment. And do you know what's happening during the course of the shipment? Do you know what's happening? You don't know what's happening on the farm because you can't be there and you can't be on site. And I think what you're doing in terms of providing that visibility and you're doing it now with the gastronomy is very helpful because now, you know, I just saw on on your roadmap that you're getting the ISO 3632 certification as well. And obviously that's something that's needed because as you start to enter into cosmetics, into pharma, they need that level of sophistication when it comes to being able to get a consistent quality and source and color and flavor and taste, you know, whatever it is that they're looking for. So it's interesting that you already see that as a vision to be available for those markets when they're ready. I agree. Like for us, pharma, it would be the ideal industry that we want to go into because I think this is where most of the benefit of the indoor farm, of saffron, indoor saffron farm will shine through because we are able to control all the inputs into the into the flower. So the, we are able to increase the, like there are free chemicals, crotin, pyrocrotin and safranal, which are also important for the pharma. And we are able to get them over the threshold that they need basically for it, for them to consider. Because there is a lot of research now with saffron that is able to, for example, help with stress relief or better sleep, or in some cases they use it in, I think it's, it's called dementia, I don't know now. I don't know the English word. But it's used in a lot of, or it's used as a biostimulant or bioactivator. I think that this is the word in, in some cases. So they are finding a lot of cool ways that it can be used, or they are putting it into supplements. And this is something that I think the, our saffron can shine the most. How much of this has been an education process for you? Because you have to, you've able to speak eloquently about all the benefits for a chef in gastronomy and understanding like consistency when it comes to flavor and presentation, because that's really big for them, right? They want to, I'm sure some of these Mm -hmm. high-end restaurants, they have to have a consistent product every time. And then you have to shift your mind to how does someone who's in pharma think about the benefits? They want something different, maybe not the visual presentation, but like the actual chemical composition of this. And then you think, then you switch to cosmetics. Cosmetics, they may be more interested in the consistency with the color or <laughs> other things. And you've had to educate yourself on each of these different lines and be able to speak their language in a way that they can see the benefits of working with you. Exactly. It is like you just pinpointed exactly like you have to understand what the buyer is looking for. So like in the food, it's more of the physical properties of the saffron, as you said. And then in the cosmetics and the pharma, it's more of the chemical properties. So you, you have to basically understand what the buyer wants. And this is what you, something that you cannot learn on the first try. And you just go with, you ask a lot of people around. And also I speak with a lot of people in the industry, quality control managers, suppliers, or even farmers here in Europe, outside of Europe, in India, Iran, even Kazakhstan, then Morocco, Spain, Greece, Italy. So, you know, I try to speak with all of them and I'm happy that a lot of them are willing to share their experiences and their knowledge as well. And we kind of do like, I give you this, I give you this. And then you are then you are able to learn through also their experiences. Like, okay, now I work with this customer. I know I want to move into this industry. This is what they are looking for. So, okay, I can just copy this and then I will see how it works and then move it around basically on our terms. Yeah, it sounds obviously in terms of culture and Iran is you know, considered by many the birthplace of civilization as well. So it's a, talk about history, you know, you talk about thousands and thousands of years. You know, there's a lot of cultural history and cultural relevance in that part of the world. And experience in working with the spice like this, it was probably one of the many spices traded on the spice roads. And you think about, you know, like everything, the spice trail, you know, there's a lot of history going back there. So it's interesting to see how you can have conversations with people who have maybe, you know, 
family going back, maybe multiple generations who were grew saffron or something, you know, to get to pull some of that cultural experience and history into what you're doing and have an understanding, you know, because these people have, they have been doing this for a while and they yeah. have a lot to teach. I'm sure if you ask the right questions. I have a farmer friend from Iran and they have like a 10 generation farm already, wow. which is like nuts, like 10 generations wow. of people focusing on one thing. But as you said, like, it's a very, I'll call it like an Asian spice because for example, Cleopatra used to swim in like milk and saffron baths, <laughs> or they say like it's used to have a saffron bed, you know, so yeah. it goes way, way, yeah. way over our time, like more, way back. So it's very nice to also see like the history behind it. And also I think this is something that has to be translated in the message. Like, okay, this is where it comes from, but now we put like a new innovative spin on it, you know, so now we, this is why we do it in this way. So this is not like we want to take it away from them. We just want to put our twist on it and do it, try to do it ourselves. So talk a little bit about the experience you've had as leading this company with you as the COO and Mirzlav as the CEO. These are, I would imagine, first time positions for you and to be growing not only as an entrepreneur, but also as a leader, because now you're building a team. I see you've got some employees. You've been working with advisors now. So what's that experience been for, like, for you like personally in terms of your development? It's a lot of up and downs. I'll say, you know, uh, this is what something I like about entrepreneurships because one day you can feel like you know everything in the world and the second day you're like, ah, oh, it's not working at all. Uh, I'm so stupid, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but it's a lot of like learning. I'm very happy that we are able to build like the culture, the setup in the company, the vision for the company, how we would like to imagine it. And there is like, no, okay, we of course discuss with, with more people, like, okay, is this something that makes sense? What do you say with this idea? But I'm very happy. And it's like, also what you said, like in the leadership law, right now we have employees under us uh, that I want to also reflect on like how I would, for them to understand how I imagine the company to run, how to structure the relationships. Also like the first time hiring somebody, first time firing somebody, first time going into like an investor meeting. It's all a learning curve that you have to go. And you also have to understand like the languages of each domain that you go into. So if you are speaking with an investor, this like a completely different language, the cup table, blah, blah, blah. This all that the normal person doesn't go through bridge round, pre-seed round, like, yeah, you yeah. know, now all this, and then you go into like the more business side and you were learning sales. Like the first time we went to a restaurant, I didn't know what the sales pitch is. So build this up from the ground up to, and to make it work or then marketing, like how does marketing work? Do I need push marketing? Do I need pull marketing? You know, what do I focus on? Then for me, I run the operations. So, you know, okay, do I have for the saffron harvest? Do I have enough staff? Is the process set up in a way that it works? Am I missing? Is there, are there some flaws? You know, now another one, this is like, is the vertical farm running correctly? Is there, for example, temperature differences between the topest floor and the lowest floor? If yes, how can mm -hmm. I fix it? You know, so they can juggling all these balls, but this is what I like that every day it's something new, every day it's something challenging and every day is a new challenge that you tackle head on. And every day you spin the roulette, you have 24 hours. So how you spend the 24 hours, then it will. No, small incremental steps will lead to, even Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, <laughs> so you, you cannot expect to build a unicorn in one day, two yeah. days, a week. So it takes time and you have to also understand the business you are in. So for example, a vertical farm is run away completely differently than a software company or a crypto company yeah. or a social media agency. So getting to understand all this, it's like, it's a whole learning curve that you have to go through, but this is what I like about business. So this is why it's fun for me. How have your relationships with your advisors helped you 
cover some of that ground and learn some of these new things that aren't, weren't natural for you at first? So I think I'm very happy because we got more of like, I'm not going to call them all the guys because they are not old, but they already been through something. So they have the experience yeah. of something that we missed as young yeah. first time entrepreneurs coming out of school and so well, still finishing school. But this is something that I really value. I also like to speak to a lot of people who already to identify the person who already been through the route. It doesn't have to be like they've been through route like now in half a year, but they already went through the route because if they already did it and they succeeded in it, they, they have a formula in mind that's going to work. So then, okay, I'll ask them about the formula and to understand and also finding the correct advisors because this is also something I think you have to align with in the company because if you get advisors that think too much into the different side, you know, then there is too many, you're trying to focus on too many things, you know, get them aligned in one vision and get those advisors that would benefit the company, the, you the most. So identifying the people that went through the stuff or are able to help you in a way in the industry or the domain that you are operating in and or have connections in. So for example, before we had advisors just for connections in some cases, in a way that we worked with them in a way that was very nice as well, but they were more useful in connecting with us with people from the industry, which was very nice as well, you know, and then you get new people in and you also have to understand like when you do you grow up of the advisor to take on the new advisor, because this is like with the C-level management or a CEO even like, okay, now we will try to do it our most, but I think then there comes a time for everybody where you have to step down and give it to somebody who knows how to run it. Like there is a, yeah. as they, like sometimes say, there is a, CV, a CEO who founds the company, then takes it from a zero to a million, from million to 10 million, from 10 million to 100 million. So, you know, you have to understand also like your limitations, your weaknesses, where you are good at as a person, and then try to juggle and find a way to do it. So this is something we have to, we try to do with the company to find the right people for the right time that can basically help us to make the next steps and then basically you go step by step by step and you arrive into the destination where you wanted to go yeah i think what's interesting you have a really clean and really nice looking website and i think what's also important is that you have a roadmap which shows that you have a vision you know you've talked a little bit about your pre-seed round the, the pilot plant the certification that you're working on but even this plan you have it listed as q2 q3 2024 that you have a plan to get into these markets cosmetics markets the pharma markets and then you even have a plan even going into 2025 for automation through ai and robotics as well so it's interesting that you have this forward looking vision of, of the future and maybe can you speak a little bit to that like why do you think it's important to have that roadmap in place for you as a team for us it, you know it works like the carrot on the stick i think you know there's something that you need to chase or something that you need to basically work towards and we always try to look like okay let's also discuss the short term and the long term goals but the long term vision is like okay where where would be or where would we like to see the company in the few years like okay now we'll go through this stage of the company but where do we want to develop it then further because then you also need like when it comes to strategy you need to plan it out in a way so it makes sense and now we so so you scout out basically and we see that for example for vertical farming like AI and robotics will be also like the future as it's getting cheaper, more available, more easy to make as well. So we see that it can help a lot because for example, saffron is a very labor intensive crop. So if we can automatize the process now, for example, the peeling process, like a lot of people are focusing now on the harvesting, but the main thing or where the main pain point is, it's in the peeling process. So this is something that, you know, you learn to understand and you're okay. If we can do this, this is like, 
changing into the whole industry you know like nobody has ever been able to do this so this is something that we you know, aim for the moon and in worst case you will hit the stars <laughs> and, you know, so we really like to also not look into the short term but the long term and uh, like create something that makes sense and the company can grow towards because then also like the hiring process you can adjust towards it and then also like for example when you raise another round of financing then okay if it's only a vertical farm it's completely different when you have technology involved you know because then you can somehow fuse into like a technology company this is like also the evolvement of the company like for example a lot of vertical farms in the beginning were a vertical farm and then they moved into like a technical company and then they moved into like a maintenance company because they are running so many vertical farms around the world that they have to know how to maintain it so you have to understand the evolution and the way you want to take the company further and for example we would like to also introduce new crops you know have farms all over the world because the goal or the vision for us is to grow crops where it was not possible before or at least if it's not possible then do it better and localize them in a better way so make it more efficient this is all because i think the food crisis will also like understanding the trends that are ongoing in the world as well like the food crisis the water crisis a lot of people urban areas you know stuff like this so this will play into your hand as well and if you can adjust your business that will basically like the trends are like a wave and you are a surfboard and so they will move you into like the direction as well. So this is something that we try to understand as well and then base the company and the vision and the future for it in, in a way. So can you talk a little bit about, you have the roadmap of what you're trying to get done over the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so what has it been like for you now in terms of like the clients that you serve now or the partners that you work with? Can you talk a little bit about who you're serving now and who you're working with on a day-to-day -day basis? So now we mainly work with food, gastro, so a lot of restaurants. And now, as we said, like discussed, we are getting the ISO. So now we are getting the first ISO. They're actually coming in a week. Then we send it out the saffron okay. to get tested. So we are waiting for the lab results. So this and working with working with like, I'm not going to call it like domains and industries, but to make it further in a way that we unlock the next step for us. So as yeah. discussed, like pharmaceuticals and cosmetics. So for this, we need to get certified on the production level and the processing level. So now we'll have the production level certified. Okay, we need to work on the process level certification. So for this, okay, do I need a lab? Do I need a specific space? Okay, like what are the work requirements? Because for example, now when we had the big harvest, we had a lot of people at the farm. And then for example, what we found out in like when they're working with delicate stuff, everybody needs an office chair, everybody needs a tiltable table, you know, yeah. so this is stuff that you are not going to know until they come and audit you, you know, see the process like, okay, now, now we did the drying in another company, but now we want to do the drying at ours. Okay, now what do we need to buy? Then is it certified or is it the certification relying? Like, does it make sense for us to buy? Do we need this machine, this machine? So you are working with a lot of stuff in one place and you are trying to see the best way to move. But I think, again, I'll go back to that. We discuss or we bounce ideas with people like also in the industry, also in the certification level, also in the market level to see like, okay, if you will see that, for example, for us to get the second level of certification on the processing part will take us, let's say, a year, half a year, because then, for example, with the pharmaceutical companies, they send an audit as well. Like, it's not mm -hmm. enough to get only ISO certified, but they will send their own audit as well. And what can we do to prepare? Like, for example, we work with AVF. So can we get some certification? Like, there is a sustainable indoor farm certification, if that helps us. Or can we, for example, now in the EU, they don't allow us to market as organic because it's not growing soil, you know, so mm. can we do something about this? Because this will help as well with, for example, the food market. So, you know, yeah. so juggling a lot of these things around and see where you can make the most progress in the short 
time, but still aligning it with the, like the long-term vision is where I think the most part are. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you've been giving this a lot of thought and you've been thinking about the future steps because even for something like a certification, it takes six months, takes a year. You know, you still have to keep the lights on. You still have to keep business going, but also yes, plan for exactly. the future. So it sounds like you have to have like your short term goals, long term goals and make sure that everything's still aligned. So yes. one of the questions I like to ask is what is a tough question you have had to ask yourself recently? Tough question. Am I the right person to do this job? It's like, because sometimes I think ego gets in a way to somebody. Yeah. And if you like, okay, if you have like a lot of successful day in a way, you know, it can get somehow over your head and then being able to understand like, okay, where your weaknesses are, if, if a person can do it better, even though it's not the way that you would imagine it, you know, step back and take a breather. Like, okay, is this the right move to make? And it's like chess, I think, understanding the chess game. So yeah. there is a lot of different moves and sometimes you don't have the good move, but you still have to make the best move possible. So sure. I think this is like, now we've been challenged as well. So when we started, we moved into Saffron, you know, so these are the areas I think like this would be the hardest question because then you need to find somebody new for the job as well. That yeah. takes time. Do I have the time basically stuff like this? So understanding stuff like this, like what is the most needed now as well, but still keeping in mind, like where I want to go in the future. And also keeping maybe for yourself as a leader, educating yourself on how to be a better leader, how to be a better manager. <laughs> you know, those are things you need to do in addition yes. to the business. You need to always be looking at ways you can grow professionally and personally as well. Yes, I fully agree. Like for me, it's like I would not my employees or I don't call, I don't like to call employees. They are like partners. We work together. You know, we are all yeah. on the same level. For me, we are all the same. Yes. Even if I'm chief, whatever, I'm from cleaner to the director, I'm everything, you know, so I'm on the same level with everybody. Yeah. This is how I like to work because I think then the process is works much faster. And there's like, if I do something or if I have to train somebody in something, I don't expect them to do something that I wouldn't do. Yeah. So this is something to also that I like to do, but also then speaking with people who are in leadership roles on certain challenges that you have as a leader, like setting up the culture, how to motivate people correctly, how to show them that they can progress in the company, that they not only come into the company like, okay, you will do this, but show them that there is a future in the company. Like if we can grow, we grow together. Like it's yeah. not only me who learns, it's also you who learns. And if you are a good team, then we can take it a long way. Yeah, that's a great attitude. And I think it's helpful when people who are coming into a new industry feel like they're supported by management and that you see it like everyone rises together. And I think that's positive steps to make sure you're building a culture that's going to grow because you're, if you show them the vision too, right, they can see what the roadmap is. They can see what the plan is. And, you know, maybe they're coming into they, Some of them may be coming into this industry for the first time into vertical farming, right, from other jobs and they're taking a chance with you as well. And so I think when you can clearly articulate the vision as a leader, I think it really inspires your team. Yeah, I think communication is the most important part in this. Like, I think keeping a clear and honest communication with everybody. Like, I always like to hear ideas of people who are maybe not even knowledgeable in those areas because you never know. They might think outside the box and yeah. like come up with something that's like completely like because now, for example, we work in operations and so, for example, me and David, David is our farm manager and we work on the farm processes. You know, so we are stuck in our line of work but then maybe we had a sales guy who is from the netherlands and he came to the farm to visit over the harvest and well and he just randomly brainstormed a very nice idea to improve the process so these are the random findings that you wouldn't be able to do in in a way and also i don't like when they are not able to 
able to express themselves. Like if something mm. is not working, tell me right away because yeah. the longer we keep it under the lid, the worse it gets, you know. So this is what something that we try to represent also like open communication. Okay, let's go. We grow together. We move yeah. together. You know, we work as one team. We don't leave anybody behind and then we go to war together. <laughs> That's a great mindset mentality. So it'd be hard to have a conversation about vertical farming without talking about the elephant in a room, CapEx, electricity costs. And this is something that's top of mind. And it's things that has caused other farms to fail. And so I'm wondering how you think about this in terms of growth, how you think about managing all these different expenses that are really important. And it's something you don't have to deal with in open ag, but it's really like you can't start a farm nowadays without putting a lot of thought into your capex so i'm wondering how you think about those challenges on a day-to-day -day basis i think for a vertical farm your most important thing is to understand the numbers yeah. how much the like okay for electricity sometimes you can get solar sometimes you there are options that you can bring this down but understanding really the numbers and the devil is in the details mostly yeah. and for also most of the vertical farms like okay now if for example also to being understand if something happens into the market which also for example reduces the price in the crop that i'm growing or how then it will affect my overall profitability will i be still profitable because a lot of farms are not profitable in like some farms are not profitable in like four years five years yeah. they need longer times to get profitability so you really have to get this down and understand what do i need to do in order to basically come up at the plus in the end and is it like electricity like what's set up to use as well because now i think in the industry there are a lot of options that are like i'm not going to call them like overpriced but you can still get the same result with something that is way way cheaper like you don't have to get like the most high-tech farm right away you know so like start simply start slowly like get some like i'm not going to collect a prototype you don't have to develop your own thing like your own farm and to connect it to understand everything but you know you don't need ai you don't need robotics right away you don't need full process automatization right away you know so this is something that for example have you as well like understand where i can start and then where i can build upon when still taking into consideration like my cost like understanding also how many people it takes to run a farm so for example this is one challenge that we had now during the saffron harvest because we were planning to having like the 10 to 20 people will be the most but then in the big harvest we needed 50 people a day you know so now where do i get this like does it still fit the budget you know so being prepared for the also like the unexpected and then just improving step by step on understanding how everything works together and then okay like if i'm in trouble if i switch off the light for let's say an hour earlier how does this affect the quality of the crop or the result and okay if i have to do this then what is the result on it or do i need one person to run the farm do i need five person uh, five people to run the farm you know do i need the biggest ECU do I or do I need am I okay with running with fans or do I need sensors in all the trays or is it like spread out uh, spread out works with well what lights to use you know so this is all that you have to take into consideration and I'll go back again like your numbers if the numbers don't make sense then there is nowhere to go sounds like there's a lot of moving parts that you're keeping on top of and that's your obviously that's your responsibility so i'm sure there's always something to think about and always something to tweak a, a knob to turn a sensor to watch yes. and so many moving parts yes, but I, exactly. it must be exciting to you're learning on the job as well i would imagine mm -hmm. yes a lot yeah. every day is a new page in the book so how would the experiences at the conference has been? I know we met at Vertifarm. was that have you been going mm -hmm. to conferences on a regular basis and do you find those experiences valuable 
We've been to a lot, actually, not yeah. only in Europe. We went to, for example, I was on like a startup bootcamp in Taiwan, okay. where we also it ended in a conference. We went to Warsaw, to Paris, to Dortmund, but in Slovakia as well. We try to go because there is like your, I say, like your space to meet new people that you wouldn't be able to meet before companies that you wouldn't. For example, this usually we went to like business conferences, then we went to some ingredients conferences because this is where our buyers and let's say customers are as well, like in the ingredients one. Yeah. But then also I like Verti Farm because it's like, okay, now I get to see the part of the indoor farming part or this part of the world as well, where you meet a lot of people with companies that have different solutions that might also help you in a way. So is there a way to partner up? Is there a way that I can collaborate with them in a way to improve also their company but also my company that where sometimes there is like the crosses where something from like we grow completely different crops but in the end like okay we will have this the solution for yeah. each other but i think it's, it's under like important to go and to present yourself in a way you know always come i'm not gonna say like prepare but clearly communicate your idea you know being yeah. able to describe meet the people i always we always try to every time before we go we run up the map we mark up the companies that we want to visit we do yeah. worst case we do a little research and then sometimes you will even see the person so you know directly who the person is where is it and you can then basically adjust the questions to them so to understand yeah. like okay am i speaking with the ceo now then i can ask him more in-depth questions on more things but if i'm running all, only with the guy who is a sales agent then okay he will be only able from the product side so then speaking to people you're making like present also is something what I like at conferences because there are a lot of people that you would not meet otherwise and you would yeah. have not maybe they, you would meet them online so this is where you can present your company get fresh ideas yeah and it's how we met and thanks to Tia at the yes yes performing. Shout she, out she connected Tia. us and shout out to Tia. <laughs> yes, yes. she connected us so it's, it's really nice to and that's the only time you sometimes get those experiences I mean I, I wouldn't have met you guys or even even known of you if I hadn't exactly. traveled across the, exactly, the world to, exactly. to, to Germany yeah. so yeah. I'm, I'm always I think it's important for me as also to tell the story of what's happening in the EU as well with vertical farming because you know we have a lot of countries in North America South America but then there's a lot of exciting things happening on the EU you side so i think it's important to try to mm -hmm. make it to at least one international conference on that side at least once a year to hear what's happening firsthand from people so i really want to thank you for, for coming on i'm glad we got connected i was really excited to tell your story about a crop or a spice that we haven't covered on this show before saffron which is uh i would call it a very sexy and <laughs> very intriguing spice to work with so it's fun to hear like the background about it so if you think about it victor like if I had to ask you a very simple question about what gets you out of bed every morning, how would you answer that? I think it's the discipline uh, mm. that gets me out of all day in the morning. I think that's the most important part because there are going to be days when you're not going to feel like doing anything. And it's those days when you do the little amount that will count in the end. So I think for me, it's like, I love my job. I like business a lot. I love what I do. And just wakes me up in the morning like for i don't know how many months now i wake up without a lack of like i do in the morning i'm ready let's go new day you know new challenges i'm looking forward to what's gonna happen today you know so do we hit the jackpot or do we lose everything you know so yeah. every day is, is a new day and i think that it's like the discipline and the continuity that count the most for success mm -hmm. entrepreneurs so this is something that i would like to stick with then oh, so this is something that gets me up in the morning i'm having fun i'm having a blast <laughs> i can meet people like you as well you know so it's awesome 
if the saffron doesn't work out, you could bottle your energy and then maybe sell that because I think people <laughs> would love to have your energy and your enthusiasm. So I've been leaving a few minutes at the end of these conversations for any messages that you have for your colleagues in the vertical farming space. You know, when you think about your peers, your fellow founders, people who are running vertical farming companies or people who are in the industry, you've met a lot of these folks at these conferences. Is there anything that you have specifically that comes to mind in terms of like a message you'd want to say to them? I think the message would revolve around like now recently we heard a lot of farms are closing down because of also like the electricity prices or where they misjust the technology or the product or they haven't been able to achieve profitability or it didn't work out. So I think, but I would encourage everybody to just keep going the most that they can. So to fight the longest, I think this is something, the message I would at least like to get across the industry because I think we are making, in the end, we are making the world a better place. You know, we can produce crops in a more efficient way, more healthy way for the people, which are, which is also more sustainable for the planet. So it, it's better overall. And I think if everybody who works in the industry has like this idea in the mind that they are trying to improve the well-being of human beings, then I think it's very nice. And I'm looking very forward where we can take it like, even though vertical farming has, it's been around for a few, but it's not been around for a few. There is still a lot of ways to move it, accelerate it forward. So I'm very excited of what's coming in the like the next 10 years, let's say, for vertical farming, where a lot of us, including us, including other companies that, that I follow, that I don't know yet, that what they will found, like the next breakthroughs, let's say cereals, you know, and stuff like this. So this will be very cool to look up into the future. So I encourage everybody to, not to give up and just keep moving forward step by step, day by day. <laughs> Very inspiring words of wisdom. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you coming on again. I'm glad we were able to get connected. I'm really glad to be able to tell your story. So Velez Farming is the website, velezfarming.com. Anywhere else do you want to send folks to connect with yes. you or learn more? That's the best uh, place. LinkedIn, I think okay. that is the best place. To, and then worst case, Instagram, okay. but I prefer LinkedIn more of the, on the professional side. Okay. Yeah, so we'll make sure we have that link in the show notes as well. Thanks again for your time. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks again for listening. Eternally grateful to my guests for spending that precious hour of time with me and sharing their story. As always, full show notes available at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There you'll find summaries, key takeaways, and resources mentioned, and also a back catalog of all our past episodes. Special thanks to our title sponsor, Bio520. Bio520 is based on the deep knowledge of plants developed over centuries across Asia, extracting some of the very best minerals in the world from the lush, rich mountain ranges in Japan and using highly effective non-chemical agricultural practices in combination with the most advanced cutting-edge biophysics technology. Bio520 is one of the most advanced, truly organic mineral compounds your crops will ever experience. Learn more at bio520usa.com. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. To learn about the five key pillars of a successful podcast that every business owner needs to know prior to launching, visit fullcast.co and watch the free video. As a reminder, if you've enjoyed this episode or past episodes, do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. Nothing makes me happier than to read those out on future episodes. And don't forget to tune in next week for a conversation with yet another fascinating leader from the world of vertical farming. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To hear all past episodes and read the episode summaries, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.